Hello, and welcome to the Inspiring ECE Podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, I've got something truly special lined up for you. As we have embarked on a brand new school year, many of you are looking for fresh and exciting ways to infuse STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics into your early childhood education programs. Well, you're in for a treat. Today, we will be revisiting an incredible conversation that took place on the Elementary STEM Coach podcast with your host, Naomi Meredith. In this engaging interview, Naomi and I explore the world of hands-on early childhood education strategies and tips to integrate STEM into your classroom and curriculum. So whether you're a seasoned educator or just beginning your STEM journey, this interview serves as a perfect sequel into a brand new school year. Get ready to be inspired and equipped with innovative ideas to make STEM education a vibrant part of your classroom. Well, Marcia, thank you so much for being here. We were chatting so much before. And so finally hit record and get all this goodness on recording because you're a very special guest where your experience with children will be so helpful with the STEM teachers out there. And you don't teach STEM per se, but what you do in early childhood, I think will be super, super impactful because I get asked all the time, what do I do with the little ones? I'm out of ideas. How do I manage them? And I've given some tips on other episodes, but I think that your specific background will be really powerful for people because you have all those tips and tricks and you've been with the littles and all of that. So if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself, um, your teaching background, and then how you help early childhood educators. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited. I've been an early childhood educator for over 20 years in the field. I love the little ones. I've also had a variety of roles from being an early childhood educator to an assistant position to a manager of a childcare facility. In the last couple of years, I've become a designated early childhood educator here in Ontario, Canada within the kindergarten program. So I've done Ooh. that for over a decade, which I absolutely loved. And that's when yeah. I knew that's where my passion was. I also have a degree in early childhood, a master's in early childhood, and obtaining my bachelor's of education right now. And I just absolutely love the early years. So from pre-K to about two is definitely in my zone. I love the little ones too. I actually worked at a preschool daycare in college, and I almost went into early childhood. I was really split between (laughs) that and elementary, so I totally can relate. I love the little ones too. I do. I do. So I think, like I said, your background is super important because we know, especially with the younger kids, and there are a lot of teachers who listen who do teach pre-K STEM. And so when it comes to planning hands-on and things for those little ones, what are some things that we should keep in mind? Because I know sometimes we can get stuck on ideas. Some of the things that I reflect on when I'm considering developing activities is making sure that it's age appropriate. Sometimes we think, you know, as educators, we forget that they're littles. Like we need to consider that they have smaller fingers and 
They need bigger things instead of finer motor things. So that is one of the things making sure it is age appropriate. What do you want them to learn? The learning objectives, right? It obviously it has to be fun, but there should be some learning outcomes. So what do we what do we want the children to take away from this experience? And of course, first and foremost, they're little ones. So safety first. Yeah. We've got to make sure that we're using safety products, that we read labels on paints and things, because mm. yes, some of them will put them in their mouths. And we forget about that. Like we put out all these paints and things, but we have to make sure that we're reading the labels in case they get ingested, that we're okay. So safety first there and the engagement level. How engaging is it? I know it's hard as educators. Sometimes we forget that we have to put on that kid hat sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Will this be fun to a three-year-old, to a five-year-old? Will this be fun? Just because we thought about it doesn't mean it's fun for us. Remember things like splashing in water or the basic things like baking soda and vinegar is huge for this age group, right? So we want to make sure that it's age appropriate and engaging for them, for sure. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. That is, do you have some other specific tools that you love for their tiny hands, like different things you've used maybe in stations or anything like that? Absolutely. I love eyedroppers. Everything to use that fine motor grip. I do eyedroppers in ice cube trays with colored water and they get to fill it. I've even frozen the water and colored the water. And then there's letters at the bottom of the ice cube tray that they get to reveal after they've melted through the ice. We've also used Ziploc bags that I've actually put like gel. Again, you can make it or sometimes I use Jello and they can push the letters, but it's a sensory thing. So then they can use that fine motor as well. I love things like that. Oh, tongs. Yeah. I love the little miniature ah, tongs. That's a good idea. Those are those are awesome too. Tongs and pom-poms. Mm. Those are definitely fine motor grip things. And my last thing is cotton balls. Everybody oh. says, what? Yeah. Cotton Why balls. cotton balls? <laughs> and I'll tell you because when we're when we give them a writing utensil, sometimes they tend to get the grip wrong. But if you put the cotton ball in the palm of their hand, it helps with the grip. Ooh. Right. And it and it doesn't make the wrist as tired. So yeah, those are just some of the fine motor tricks that I came along with along the way. <laughs> well, I love that because, um, okay, so speaking of that, scissors, I have found kids cutting with scissors has been really, really hard for a lot of my kindergartners. Do you have a trick for that? Do you use the cotton ball or do you use something else? Because that's been a really a big struggle for kids. It is a big struggle. The cotton ball works the best. We started with Play-Doh, but the Play-Doh squishes and then they wanted to play with it and it was a distraction. <laughs> So yes, the cotton ball works really well there. And cute little sayings like thumb to the ceiling, finger to the floor, open, close, things like that to engage them. Sometimes I even had scissors that didn't have holes. They they actually have the ones, they're just a band in between them and they can open and close. And we just practice the squeezing. And that's where like clothespins and all of those things came in in the sensory bin, like all of those are part of my classroom just so they have practice without knowing that they're practicing those skills. I love that. I honestly, okay, I need to look up these scissors. So scissors with, I'm writing all of this down, scissors with no holes, because I have actually some students I have in mind who I definitely need to do this with. But like thinking about the sensory, that is such a great idea because they might be doing in their classroom. I'm not quite sure. But in STEM, you could definitely integrate it if you're learning about a science concept 
you could, let's say you're learning about space, you have different things about space in the sensory bin. And then they could be get, grabbing them with the tongs, like a finding game. And that would be an awesome station for them. And also working on those fine motor skills that you're talking about. Yes. So we did, we were working on clouds. And in our sensory bin, one day we had just that, a bunch of cotton balls, and they were clouds. And they had to pick them up with the tongs. And then we had shaving cream clouds. And they got to move them and feel them. And yes, I know some of the some of the teachers were like, this is dirty, but it was the learning that happened. They tried to stack the clouds. They tried to and they realized, why does it keep falling over? They had questions. Why couldn't the foam stay up high? It kept falling over. Yeah. And those were all inquiry questions. We kept going. So what could we put in it? Then they went for sticks. Ah. And they added sticks because they're trying to get their shaving cream to stand up. <laughs> oh, did that work? So there was lots of cause and effect and problem solving happening. Oh my gosh. I love that. I know. Oh, I, I, I would totally do that shaving cream thing in my classroom. <laughs> I, and, and that's interesting too. Like I actually did clay and Play-Doh with my fourth graders. And I know we're talking about early childhood, but I made it too sticky and I found out a lot of their sensory needs. During that, like some like the stickiness, I messed up. It was too sticky, but some didn't. And so it is important to have just like thinking about different types of things that are in your classroom because we don't always know what experience they have. So that's super. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Are there any other like project ideas or like when you're teaching with your early childhood kids? Do you, are there certain like management techniques that you use with the younger students that work really well? Um, Cause I know it can get a little crazy if you don't have a, a plan or some sort of plan in mind. <laughs> with working with the youngers, there's always going to be those good days and there's those rougher days. And for me, it's always about creating those clear expectations from the beginning, like having those clear expectations and constantly being consistent with those expectations, making sure the students understand that learning is fun and exciting, but it's also a routine. And there's also things that we have to do and follow and have follow through with it. Also be positive as much as it might not be a positive moment for you as the educator, <laughs> they're still learning, right? So yeah. we want to make sure that it's a positive moment and that we're giving them plenty of encouragement to keep going, even when they're frustrated or when they feel like they can't do it and have proactive strategies. Mm. So know your students. You're going to know when that noise level is going up, when they're a little bit off that day, when they just need a little bit more, be flexible in whatever you have planned pause, take a mind break. Maybe mm. it's some deep breathing exercises. Maybe it's yeah. my favorite. I love movement breaks. Yeah. So we stop and we just break out into a quick little dance or maybe it's okay. We need to sit and do a calming moment. Mm. So knowing those levels that when you get there to have those proactive strategies. So before it gets too far, you're like, okay, we're just going to all do this right now. And then they won't even know. It's just yeah. kind of sometimes my, my teacher does this and they will <laughs> continue with it and it helps them refocus. Yeah. That 30 seconds, that minute helps them regain that focus in what they were doing and off we go. But my <laughs> biggest thing is building those relationships with your students. Yep. They know when they can talk to you and trust you and tell you how they're feeling. For me, it's always articulate how you're feeling. Tell me how you're feeling, what's happening in your body. 
and help them give them the language, give them that thing to be successful. When you build that relationship with your students, they have that open communication. They build that bond with you. That limits your behavior management Mm -hmm. in your classroom right from the beginning. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's hard to remember that with the younger students. It can be frustrating doing hands-on things and being creative is actually really vulnerable for anybody. And so sometimes I like, I know you remember this with the older kids, but the younger ones too, they're, they're excited to do stuff. You can get a lot of buy-in, but it is scary when things don't work the right time. And so I like how you said the language to give them, what kinds of language do you give them sentence frames or how do you phrase that with them? Again, it's age appropriate. Mm -hmm. So if they're like really young, it's the one words or a couple sentences. Do you need a minute? Is this something I can help you with? Is this something you want to work out on your own? Is there something I can help you with? But you definitely want to start promoting that intrinsic motivation. So how can they do things intrinsically? So tell me what you need for me to do for you. Mm. Right. So they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So it gives them that pause. And then we're also scaffolding that part of self-reflection. Right. So we want them to be able to, is this something I need to be upset about right now? Yeah. Or is this something I can think about and work through? And I know as they get older, it progresses, right? Yeah. So you want to make sure <laughs> that you're giving them those tools. So do you need a minute? Would you like to sit in a calming center? If they're in kindergarten, they are automatically going to know based on your classroom setup where they can go if they need that space. Mm -hmm. If it is a situation where they need you, then they're going to know to come to you. If it's not, but they're still upset, maybe it's a classmate. Maybe it's a peer that they can go to and say, I need help with this, or Mm -hmm. I'm not feeling good about this, right? So if you're giving them those tools and those languages or those environments or places they can go when they need, that also limits that behavior. Have you seen with that too, like that helps with their independence? I know there's a certain level of independence when they're little, but do you feel like the little kids can be more independent than we think that we let them be? Absolutely. I am the hundred percent that teacher that will be like, oh, you're going to do this on your own. And they're getting frustrated and we're going to work through those emotions, but I know you can do it. Mm -hmm. And I want to see you do it. So yes, it takes me forever to go outside. Yeah. (laughs) We're always the last ones to get outside. But when they get outside, they're happy. I put on my jacket all by myself. Or I wrote my name today without Mm -hmm. any help. Or I was able to build the block tower and it never fell over. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So those are the things that you just have to. Yes, it definitely helps with that independence piece. Oh, I had a little guy. It was funny. He wanted help tying his shoes. Like, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that right now. Can you ask a friend? And then, okay, this was like a twist of the story. He knew how to tie his shoes. Oh, he knew. And I'm like, wait, what just happened? You just tie your shoes? Like, oh, I just like it when grownups do it for me because it's so much faster. I was like, what? What? (laughs) I was like, that's how you're going to get faster. So. They are a little tricky sometimes. Oh, they can get sneaky too. They will sometimes they will say that they can't do something and they know they can. They just want to go outside faster. Yeah. (laughs) Or yes, like, oh, it's time to clean up. Oh no, I can't do that. Like, oh yes, we can. Yes, we can. (laughs) My favorite is it's time to clean up. Oh, I need to go to the bathroom. Oh yeah. And they go and they hide. Yeah. So they don't have to clean up. Yep. Yeah, clean up. I usually have to take like 10 minutes to clean up and 
modeling. Yes. Do you feel like you model a lot of behavior, like physically showing them how to do things if it's hard? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I show them, but I also get their peers to show them because sometimes the peers showing them that they're doing it, it's their size, it's their peer, it's the same person sitting next to them helps a lot more than an adult in a room. Ooh. And it took me a while to learn that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for sure, the lots of modeling and let's do this together. It's never just me doing anything. So let's mm-hmm. do this together. And that yeah. gives them ownership that teacher's not going to do it all on my own. She's not going to leave me on my own either. So mm-hmm. then they feel like they're supported even if they do need help. Yeah, that's good. Like this can work for literally any classroom. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. of, But I mean, this is how we can get them to do bigger things. And they're very capable when they're younger. When it comes to like their the teaching style too, I know it's a little bit different for STEM teacher because you only have them for, I don't know, 45 minutes, maybe every day in a row or once a week. So are there certain strategies teachers should try, like whole group, stations? Like what are some things that you've seen work really well or mixing it up? I like to mix it up. And it again, it comes from your group of students. You're going to know there's going to be some years that you get students that love the free flow method. And that works for them and they can have a whole bunch of centers and they can free flow with very minimal conflict or they're really good at conflict resolution, So they don't really need a lot of intervention and that works that year. And then there's another year where it needs to be a little bit more structured where you need to have that whole group and then you need to have specific centers and then rotate the students through the centers, which that is getting less and less likely because they tend to, they tend to adapt more quickly now. I find that yes, they might have that initial fight back. But when you set those, it's all about those foundational, Mm -hmm. that foundational beginning. When you set those parameters, then they realize that that's the expectation. And if they're clear and consistent, it will help the classroom flow for sure. I absolutely agree. And that can be hard transitioning from a classroom Mm -hmm. teacher to like teaching all the kids in the school. That was hard for me. Just like understanding, oh, my room actually has routines also. (laughs) So like, I also, even though they're with me for a short amount of time, so I totally agree with that because they need that consistency, even though it's a fun space. I feel like, yeah, like the more fun it is, the more parameters you need sometimes. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Have you ever had something like go totally wrong? You're like, oh, I thought I had all of the parameters in place. You're like, oh, that did not work. Um, I believe we were building a spaceship. We were building a <laughs> rocket because we were going to space. And I thought I thought of everything. I thought yeah. of absolutely everything until I didn't actually realize that the paint was water-based and it's, it went completely through the cardboard <laughs> and they cried. They cried. And I just felt like, <laughs> I was like, like I literally spent the next night driving around for another box just so I could make it up to my students because they cried. They worked so hard painting and carrying and it just all crumbled. The next day we came in and it was all wet because it was water-based. So it soaked through the cardboard. There were some sad little learners that day. We we rebuilt it. We talked yeah. about it. And I, I like that it was a good learning thing for both them and myself because yeah. we talked about it. We talked about what happened mm-hmm. and why didn't it work? And it became just a whole thing. And then we talked, do we want to continue? Do we want to make it again? Or are we all done? And they're like, no, we want to do it again. We want to try it again. So then I drove around looking for this huge box <laughs> and then I purchased the right paint yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then we were able to continue. But yes, that was, it went terribly wrong. 
Oh yeah, that could definitely happen. I have it to me all the time. But I like I like the way you talk to your students. They're young, but you talk to them very respectfully, like they're not babies. I can tell that yes. that's how you talk to them. They're not yes. like you're mm-hmm. sweet but firm. They're <laughs> yeah. little humans, and you're like, okay, it's a learning experience. It's okay, everybody. The right rocket ship went in the ocean that day. I guess it didn't <laughs> yeah. make it exactly. To the sky. <laughs> it's okay, <laughs> but that's a great that's a great real life lesson of growth mindset right there. And and you have a yeah. shared experience. Remember that time that rocket yes. ship did yeah. not work. <laughs> <Didn't> work. <laughs> Well, we pushed through and now we're going to do something, a new one, or you could just, that's great. That's actually really good. (laughs) Are there any other advice or tips? You had a lot at the beginning, but just in general, when it comes to teaching the littles, just things that just work really well in general. I know that's very broad, but anything you can share. When it comes to the littles, I don't want educators to be afraid to branch out of their comfort zone. And I know I love kindergarten, but, and I love classroom settings, but like building materials, they're little, but they can handle it. So they don't always have to be blocks. Like let's try to bring in some real life materials. Let's get some wood and some nails. Let's get some PVC pipes. Let's get some real life materials and expose them to real things that they're going to see and let them explore it, engage in that learning. And I know some of us educators don't like to do science experiments but it doesn't always have to be a science experiment. Yeah. Like for me, I love to cook with my kiddos. That was all <laughs> that was cool. all STEM for me, yeah. right? Because think about it. We've got to measure. We've got to do this. We've got to see what happens. And we talked about it along the way. So I thought, you know, try to incorporate that. But also it's okay to have that part of your classroom open all the time. A little bit of vinegar and baking soda. Mm. And let them, if they want to go there every day to see that reaction, that is an interest. Peak that interest. Yeah. Make sure they have access to it. And I love it. Only because my little guy <laughs> became an instant coder. Oh. Loved coding. Really? From the oh my goodness. He loves coding, love apps. Doesn't help that dad is a game <laughs> is a game designer. But yeah. He just loves coding. He loves putting things together and making things move. And we did basic things at first. Like we yeah. started with dominoes. Like oh, he made dominoes good. and then he used to use his Lego man and walk along the dots. Oh, that's smart. And he just had to make it to his Lego house. Like we yeah. did it very basic, but it, he loved it. And so don't think that you have to do these really big things when it comes to coding. Keep it simple. Like a little Lego guy, maybe it's a block guy. Maybe it's a, a guy they made it at, in the Play-Doh Center and they're walking him all the, how does he get from this block area to that block area. How are we going to make a path? What aerial arrows can we draw? Yeah. Just have all those kind of conversations. Again, we're preparing them with the language and mm-hmm. don't think they're going to need it. They're going to need it when they get older. So having that for them and my favorite, explore nature mm-hmm. as much as you possibly okay. can explore outside and let them explore. And I know it's difficult because we get, oh, but it's raining outside. I don't know about you, but there's only puddles out when it's raining outside and I want to jump in a puddle. So we're going outside. (laughs) (laughs) And again, they have questions. Why when I jump in the puddle, there's ripples on the water, Mm. right? Can we do that on a sunny day? We can't. But on a sunny day, we can play with shadows. We can get out our chalk and we can draw our chalk shadows or we can draw how the sun moved throughout the day. At morning time outside, the sun was here. 
Now at lunch, it's here. Now after school, it's here. All of that leads into that science and discovery. So yeah. I love that. I love that. And I, I have taken kindergarten out during STEM. We were doing something. What were we doing? Oh, I got these solar beads. So they only change in the sun. And so they created a little worm and they had to create a shade structure to protect their worm because if it didn't have shade, it would get a sunburn. And so, yeah, so, and the beads changed back. Well, they also wanted to see it change color. So I'm like, at first, like, okay, let it change color. Okay, now you know what happens, then test your experiment. But it was so cool. Like, you're right. Like, even just nature can lend itself to so many discovery things out there. And just a new perspective because, and they moves their little bodies too. Yes. <laughs> like yes, it does. It's a great, 45 minutes is a long time for <laughs> six and under. You definitely have time yes. to go outside. <laughs> you do. You do. Oh, definitely. Well, anything else that I missed or anything else you want to share? Nope. I just really wanted to say that I know they're little and I know sometimes it can be overwhelming and yes, they can be exhausting, but try to have fun with them. They're beautiful little learners and they're so happy that you're there and they're so happy that that you're willing to teach them. So even though when it gets tough, just remember to have fun above all else. Make sure you're enjoying them and having a great time and learning with them. Oh, that's so good. I love that. Well, I know people are going to love, they love, love this episode, <laughs> but they'll want to definitely hear from you because you, I know you have great tips on your podcast. So where can they find you and your podcast? Well, right now you can find me on email at um, edu at ispire.com, but most of all at Instagram at ispire to educate, DM me. I'm also on Twitter at ispire to educate. And my podcast is called the Inspiring ECE Podcast. Love that. Well, that'll all be linked for everybody and definitely reach out because I know it can be challenging, but like she said, she had better words. I'm not going to restate it. Just (laughs) rewind it. Do you call it rewind on a podcast? Is that still the word? Sure. Rewind, playback. Playback? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Some, Some people might say, I don't know what rewind means, but... I know most of you listening do. But anyway, thank you so much again for being here. And I just appreciate your energy and your passion. And I just know your classroom's a delightful place to be. And so I just thank you. I appreciate all your wisdom today. Thank you so much for having me. It was an extreme pleasure. I enjoyed every moment. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap on our insightful replay on the conversation on the Elementary STEM Coach Podcast. I hope you found these tips and strategies for incorporating STEM into your early childhood education classroom or experience both inspirational and practical. I've got a question or insights or something you just want to share about STEM on your adventures with us, please don't hesitate to reach out through DMs, social media, or email. We love hearing from this incredible community of educators. And remember, the learning journey continues. So join our mailing list and subscribe to the Inspiring ECE podcast so you never miss an episode packed with wisdom, warmth, and innovation and motivating ideas. 
Thank you so much for being a part of this journey with us. Until next time, keep inspiring.